0: To end the word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. just a quick review again of how we've gotten to the place of where we're at this morning. The review, the first two weeks ago, we talked about Joseph and the legacy that he left. And we talked about the legacy being that he came up from a very dysfunctional family. I know most of us, especially as Thanksgiving comes up, you know, my sister's in town, please talk to her and... Don't believe anything that she says about me when when you talk to her. But most of us come, all of us come from dysfunctional families. Why? Because that's what family is, right? I mean, we're all just kind of messed up and that's just, it's just our family. It's okay because it's our family. But when you look at somebody else's family, you're like, your guys are really messed up, you know. You all got issues. But I think we can all look at Joseph's family and go, they are all really, really messed up. That has a really... Really rough family that he grew up with. Again, just going quickly through it. Again, his father just favored him in everything. And through that, his entire family, all his brothers just despised him. They couldn't stand Joseph. And so you've got a, a dad who is, is raised up and he was conniving. And remember, you always, if you shook hands with, you know, his dad, you had to make sure you had all your fingers when you got done because he was just always into whatever the deal was that he could make. Whatever it was that he could get a, just an angle on you. That's, that's the legacy. That's who he was. And so coming through that, then it goes into his, his brothers, and his brothers are all messed up, and there's just a bunch of different issues there because they had learned from their dad and from their family. And so Joseph, coming out of that, many times we look at it and we go, well, I'm the way that I am because of my family. Well, that's not true because Joseph was, was seeking after God, and God was doing something in his life, and God was pouring into him. And, and, and the benefit that we have that he didn't is we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got the Bible. Joseph had God. Joseph had a relationship with God. And how did he know about God at that moment? I don't know. I don't know if it was because he was praying. I don't know if it was just that God was speaking to him. We know eventually that he has dreams. He has an ability to interpret dreams. How did he have this relationship with God? I don't know that. But I know that he did. And because of that relationship with God, the entire course of Joseph and eventually his entire family changes because he said, that's not the legacy that I'm going to have for me and my house. Me and my house, whenever I do have a missus, you know, because I'm 17 at the time, I'm going to change things. I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to be a man of integrity and something is going to be different within my line than of my brother's. And so the legacy of Joseph completely changes and we see that and he gets sold down into Egypt. He becomes in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife chases after him. We moved into what we talked about last week was that Joseph just persevered. And too many times in our life, we're just willing to just give up and stop and, and say, you know what, I just, I can't do it anymore. You know, have you guys ever said, I just, I'm just at my wits end, man, I'm just done. I've, I just can't do it anymore. And that's typically a good time to be when then you should be looking up to God and go, God, really my flesh, I've done all that I can, but Lord, I, I need your spirit right now. I need you, God, to work inside of me to be able to help me to do what you called me to do. And Joseph perseveres like nobody I've ever seen in Scripture as he's, he's sold into slavery. Then he goes to Potiphar's house. You know, but Joseph in Potiphar's house didn't just stop there. Remember, he's, he's there. He's in, Joseph's, he's, in, he's in Potiphar's house for 11 years. We read you know, 20 verses of Scripture. Don't realize that he's been there for 11 years within that household. Joseph, during that time, it's obvious then that he is, he's learned the Egyptian language. He didn't just, hey, I'm sold into slavery and, you know, woe is me and I'm not going to do anything the rest of my life. I'm just stuck here. And no, he, he, he rises to the occasion. And again, maybe many of you, like I said the last couple of weeks, you feel like you've been sold into slavery. Well, rise to the occasion. God doesn't know that you're not in slavery. God doesn't know that you're in a place that you don't want to be. God has placed you and allowed you to be in that position. Rise up. You know, Christians, we shouldn't be ho-hum about our life. But remember, this isn't our destiny. This isn't where we get everything we can here. Our, our, our ultimate goal is to be in heaven. Our ultimate goal is while we're down here is we're going to trudge through this life, we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, and we're going to do everything that we possibly can to give glory to God. That's exactly what Joseph does here is he becomes the top in Potiphar's house. Potiphar tells him, look, you have control over everything here except my food. You can't touch my food. It was just a cultural thing that didn't allow Hebrews to be around their food. And, you know, doesn't mean that I'd make a joke, but it's stupid. So, but anyways, he's not supposed to touch his food. Okay. So you hear enough dumb jokes from me. So, but anyway, so he says, no, you can't do that. So then on the scene comes on as we think that Joseph's just kind of risen to the occasion. Everything's fine. And then Potters for wife comes along, you know, she finds him good looking and, and sexy and all that kind of stuff. So 11 years he's been in this house. We don't know how long she's been hitting on him and hitting on him and hitting on him and he, he's trying to do all that he can and he's dodging and he's waving. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, no, she's there, I'm going to go this way instead. But eventually she, she confronts him and he says no. races out of the house to the point where he, he, he even tells her why, gives her the point of, look, Potiphar, your husband's given me everything except for you. I'm not allowed to touch you. He says then to her, for the verse, he says, how could I do this great evil and then sin against God? So, again, it's just, not just the worldly counsel of, look, it's not right because I shouldn't do this. But I also don't want to sin against my God. Because my God, even though I've been in slavery for 11 years, I still serve my God. And I still want to honor him. And I want to be a man of integrity. Too many times we get in those, those, those ho-hum moods and we're like, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I just kind of live like the rest of the world does. I can kind of cheat on my taxes a little bit. Kind of steal a little bit here. It's no big deal, right? I mean, the government's got enough money. They don't need mine, too. They don't have enough money. We're like $20 trillion in debt, so really they knew you need your money, but that's another topic. (laughs) So then he gets gets thrown in jail, and then the cupbearer comes along. He interprets a dream. He thinks that that's it, man. I'm out of here. Cupbearer's going to go talk to to Pharaoh, and I'm gone, and then he's forgotten again. We look at this man's life, and we just look at him over and over again, and he just continues to persevere until finally that day comes. Finally that day comes. He comes before Pharaoh, He interprets Pharaoh's dream. A glorious day, Pharaoh makes him number two in charge of all of Egypt. All this time, 13 years later after being sold into slavery. He's 30 years old at this moment. And now he's number two in charge of the greatest country in the world at that moment. Number two in charge. And I said last week, don't think that that means that you're going to be vice president of the country here soon. Just because you have gone through some suffering and done through it doesn't matter, but, but wherever God has placed you, He's preparing you for the next step of whatever the plan is that He has in your life. What Joseph's ultimate thing was, is that now he doesn't realize but the big thing is on the horizon for him is, is the ultimate thing that he has to happen within his life. Because to make this this, this story to come to fruition, one thing really has to happen. And the root of everything that's happened within his life and his brother's life and all is coming to this culmination of a point where we're actually going to see, I think, why Joseph lived. One, yes, you can say, well, he saved Israel. You know, obviously that was the reason. Yes, yes, yes. And that's important. But for us today, it's so that we could see forgiveness. Forgiveness is an amazing word. It's probably the hardest thing to do in this world. When you feel like you have been wronged, you feel like something has been done to you, and then go out and and offer forgiveness. And to make the strongest man weak, that he can't say anything. Make any woman cry that she doesn't want to do that. All of us have had an opportunity in life where we have been wronged in some way to then have to go and you be the one that's humble in that moment. And then give the words and say, I I, I forgive you for that. To forgive, it means to cease to feel resentment against an offender. Knowing the people that I'm around this morning, the kids dictionary, says to give up resentment of or claim to revenge for. That you're going to give up the right to claim revenge for something. And we're going to see the opportunity very clearly today where Joseph would have had all the power and all the might to be able to enact revenge upon his brothers, his family, and everybody else below him for what had happened to him. If you want to look at uh, Genesis forty-one 46, we'll start there real quick. I'm going to read with my glasses on so that I don't mess up as much. It says, Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of all these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up great grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it for it was just beyond measure. There's just too much. There's just too much. Remember, God had promised him and saying, look, there's, there's going to be so much abundance in seven years. I mean, it's going to be like you guys have never seen before. And what we see here is, is Joseph had a plan, I think, given by God to him to say, hey, look, this is how we're going to lay it out. And, and that's why Pharaoh saw it and said, hey, man, God's, God's got something going on in you. I'm going to make you the man to do that job. And that's what Joseph is doing here. Joseph is enacting in those seven years exactly what he was planning on. So we move into verse 50. It says, Now before the year of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom her, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the first one Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52 says, And he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful and the land of my affliction. And at first, when I was starting to look at this area of scripture, I was just going to kind of move on to the end. And in the end, the story we all kind of know when his brothers kind of come up to him and they have to humble themselves before him. And that's when he says, you know, and we'll get to that part soon. But as I was reading this area, it just kind of touched me that God is doing an amazing work in Joseph's life right now. Again, as, as we, we, glorify, we glorify Joseph to a point where we think that he's superhuman and that, he has, that we read these stories and we're like, oh man, he just never struggled with anything. Again, we know that he struggled when they, when they were going to kill him because we read later on the brothers say that, you know, those, those screams that our brother was yelling, he, he, he cried. Do you not think over the 11 years while he was in Potiphar's house again, there were moments that he just missed his family? There was nobody around him at all that he knew. He was in a foreign land, and, 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 and I don't know if you've ever been in those positions, but there's there's probably some sorrow that's happening here in his life. And although he is number two in charge of all of Egypt, and he's, he's a busy man. He's working 60, 70 hour weeks here. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. He's in charge of the entire country to make sure that he sets up the right program to make sure that they have all the grain that they can possibly get because he knows what's coming. Remember, he knows that there's seven years of famine that has never hit the earth before. I mean, he feels the pressure of that, and he's got a, he's got a wife now, and, he, and now he has a couple sons, and, and there's a moment in his life where he's just looking back and going, man, I just, I can't believe that I'm still here. I mean, as much as I love the lavishness that I'm living in, and I'm sure that he was, I just miss my family. Maybe not my brothers, maybe just my dad and my little brother, but you know the other ones I, I don't I don't really miss them, okay? But probably to some degree he does. Because there's something about family that they're still my blood. They're still my my brothers. And maybe they maybe they really didn't mean those things that they had said. Here we are, as we move forward, and he looks, and his first son comes out, and, and I think we get an, an input into Joseph's life here, because his name's Manasseh. Manasseh means "causing to forget." And then Joseph makes an amazing statement after this. he says, "God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household." It's an amazing statement that, that God gives us here in the Bible to be able to read because that's where Joseph is having his one on one time with the Lord, and the Lord is just ministering to Joseph's heart that has probably been hard and probably been mad, and there's probably been times of anger that has struck out. And he's just saying, Look, the Lord has done such an amazing work within my heart that I forget all this trouble, that I forget all this misery. That was an un- that which is an unpleasant, hard, distressing experience. He's made me forget all that. He made, he's made me forget that I was sold into, into slavery. He's made me forget me crying and, and, and trying to stay alive within a deep pit. Me crying out to my brothers, how could you sell me? How could you sell me? And crying in this, this cart all the way down to Egypt. And then being mad that I'm being sold into into, thrown into prison because there's something that I didn't do. I was just being a man of, of integrity, a man of God. And yet I get falsely accused. God has made me forget all of that stuff. God has mended my heart and he's healed me. And it's taken 13 years for me to get to this point. Maybe longer at this point because we're moving on as far as seven years into in the plentiness. God has done an amazing work within my heart. And, and sometimes it takes that long, doesn't it? I mean, I see see a beautiful thing of here of of the Lord is sometimes, again, as we get back to that, we want immediate gratification. I prayed a prayer. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and there's a Ferrari in my front yard. I I need a car. My car broke down and, and bam, there's a Ferrari. Lord, you're just great. You know, look what you did to me. It doesn't happen that way, does it, guys? Have you guys made those prayers before and that thing didn't happen the next day and you're like, man, is God even here? But God uses Joseph to, to, to persevere and he, he goes through his life and, and, and there's just a perspective here on Joseph's faith that, that, that we don't always get to see in somebody's life. Joseph, a man of God, a man humble enough before the Lord to just cry out and say, God, I just I want you to take this heart and I want you to mend it. I, I want to be happy here. And I, I think that his wife now coming out of the Egyptian side, I believe that she's a believer at this time. She knows who God is. I I don't know how you're around Joseph and don't know it. Every time we read a scripture verse about Joseph, when he's talking either to Pharaoh or somebody else, and it's, oh, God will do this. Well, God will do that. He's not afraid about his faith. God has brought me through it and now has helped me to forget that I can move on down to what God has called me now to do. Joseph is looking at this in his life and going, now God has done the ultimate part of me and I'm ready to move on. And the foreshadowing, as we know what, what's about to happen, that his brother's about to arrive on the scene, It's that's had to happen, didn't it? God, in just his perfect understanding of, of what's going to happen, knows his brother's going to be showing up soon, and this work had to happen within Joseph before he saw them. The next one that we see is Ephraim here, and is doubly fruitful. And, and and obviously he's doubly fruitful because back then it was very important that you have sons, you know, you wanted to have sons. And he's like, man, I don't have just one, I've got two the Lord has just doubly blessed me look at this I've got two wonderful sons. I'm doubly blessed I've got this house I'm in Egypt I've got no cares in the world nothing from what I had before. Man, God is amazing look he's just he's, he's done a work within my heart and now he's able to see and the sky is bluer the clouds are whiter you know he doesn't he catches every light when he's 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 riding his chariot to work every day. There's nothing in his way that can stop him. He's just doing amazing things. That's what's happening in Joseph's life. But before we move on, one other thing that I noticed here is that his statement is, Joseph states, God has. And and as I looked at that, for my question for you, and it was for me as well, is is what God has, things have happened in your life. The, The application here for us now is to look at this. And again, as we're coming up on a Thanksgiving week, it's what God has, things has he done in your life? Again, we want to be the old Joseph and we wanna be kind of grumbling and mad and things like that, but but hasn't God done amazing things in your life? I think many times we get into those dundrums and we just forget, just get back to the basics. Maybe maybe God has done something in your health. Maybe God has done something in your finances. Well, no, you don't live on Siesta Key, okay? Maybe you do. I don't know, but I don't think any of us do. And I, don't, I know I didn't see any Ferraris this morning. And, but is that the end all to finances? Is it nice just to have electricity on? <laughs> we know that now after the hurricane, right? We're like, I just got electricity. I don't care. Lord, I'm not asking for anything else, okay? I don't have to sweat today. I'm good, you know? We have a car most of us drove here today. Has God done something in relationships for you guys? Maybe he's working on that in your life where you're like at a point where, man, I didn't have a relationship with this person and, and and now I do. And I'm so thankful that God has restored that in my life. Again, I think the enemy wants to get to us to a point where I think he tried to do this with Joseph and it just doesn't work. Where, where Joseph just takes it and says, look, I, I'm not going to think about those things because I know that God has done this in my life. God has redeemed me. God has worked and, and, and he's mended my heart and now God has doubly blessed me. There's not a thing that I could possibly want in this world. God has done those things for me. As we move on to Genesis 42 through 44, a quick summarization of that. And there's the seven years of plenty have finished and then the seven years of famine begins. And we know that from the, 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 the dream that Pharaoh had that was going to happen. And you guys know the story. You guys have been in children's church before. Many of you have taught it you know, Jacob looks at his boys and tells them, hey, look, we're starving, you know, go, get out of here. I was listening to Joe Foch the other day, and he said that what was typically to happen here is, and actually they have found um, a princess or something that had sent their handmaid down to go get food from Joseph. And I meant to get the information, I didn't download it for you guys, but where, where she ended up there, in, in her in her crypt, in her tomb, there's letters about that, that where that she had sent them down a couple times. But the, but the custom at that time was that you had to send family. Maybe that's why she didn't get the food. She sent a handmaid. Joseph or Jacob here knows, and he sends his boys. Guys, what, what are you doing here? We're we gonna die. You know, get down there. You know, and um, he sends them down there. Amazing thing happens. They walk in. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. I'm sure he's all, you know, Egyptian-dupped and he's got all of his makeup and everything that's going on. So um, so he recognizes them. They don't recognize him. They fa- He finds out, he, you know, he's he's probing them. Hey, his dad, is your dad still alive? You got a brother? You got some other family going on? He's doing all the, you know, the little point and questions. He's a good salesperson. He's finding all this information out. And he finds out that they still do. So then it's a point that he has to test these guys. Is there anything changed in these guys? Are these still... The jerks that I knew, you know, back then, you know, in a nice way. He probably used a nice word because God admitted his heart, but, but he still has to find out really what's happening here, doesn't he? So he finds out, he sends them back down there, finds out his dad's still alive. He says, Well, hey, you've got to bring back your little brother. I'm not selling you anything, you're just spies. He sends him back down there, and t- they leave one of the brothers up there. And it's amazing to me is then they leave one of the brothers up there in jail, okay, as a holding cell, and then they all go back down. And then after the food was gone, <laughs> that's when Jacob's like, hey, you got to go get more food. I'm just amazed at that. I'm like, you left your son in jail and ate all the food, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we got to do something here. I mean, I'm going to be like, what? You know, you gotta, you're still messed up, you know. I mean, God's done a work in your life, but that is just amazing to me, you know. I'd have been like, what? You get down there now. You know, let's Everybody pony up. Let's go. But, um, so he finds out. So Joseph tests his brothers. They go home. They run out of food. Then they come back up. <clears throat> Jacob allows Benjamin to go back. And, and the, the fear here is that, and you guys have read the story, is that if, if he doesn't want to allow. This is the last one from his favorite wife that's still alive. So he's nervous that he thinks Joseph's gone. He's dead. He's worried if Benji goes back down there that something's going to happen. And if that happens, then man, that's it. I'm done. I'm just I'm just going to die and I can't handle it. So they're all nervous about this. They're all feeling guilty because all of this anger, all of this stuff that happened to them what they had sold Joseph into slavery is all coming back up. And they start making comments about it too amongst themselves because they know that God is judging them. I can't believe this is coming back up at this point. So they send him back down. Benjamin goes with them. They get back down there. Joseph tests them again. You know, and he and he sees the anguish that the brothers are having. You know, he hides a, a, a silver cup within Benjamin's inside of Benjamin's sack, and then they find that in there. And all of them see that man. He's he's going to do it. He's going to keep Benjamin here. He's going to he's going to throw him in jail. And I can't go back to my dad. And it's amazing that Judah at this moment. Judah is not the oldest son. And go read about the sons because they've all got messed up things of why they've discounted themselves throughout the, the time. Um, Judah steps up and makes a plea. And he just tells Joseph straight out, look, this is what's going to happen. I, 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 told, I told dad that he could have my kids and he could kill them if I didn't come back with Benjamin. Because see, this, is, this is the last son that he has of his, of his favorite wife. And man, if I, I go back, my, my dad's going to die. And I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't live with that. You know, inside he's saying, I can't live with that because I can't do that again to my dad. Because that's, that's the son that I am. And again, these are, not, these are not 18 and 20 year old boys. Okay, these are grown men. He's grown men with families, and they understand now, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, being a parent now ha- makes you have a whole different perspective when, when you were a kid. You really understand what your parents did. Why? Because once you're a parent, you're like, oh my goodness, I just, I'm just i busy all the time. There's just, and you see that the love that you have for your kids, and, and now all of a sudden he's understanding really what happened. I, I killed his one son, and now I'm about to kill the other one, and I, I, can't, I can't do that to my dad. He's going to die. And I love my dad, and we're working on things, and things have gotten better, and I, I just can't, I can't see that happen. And he, he pleads, and he's crying out to, to Joseph, who he doesn't know is Joseph at the time. And at, this, at this moment that Joseph becomes, it's evident to him that, that these are not the same brothers that he once knew, that, that, that something has changed within them. They're starting to take on a personal understanding of the, the, of the actions of what they take, that there's a, there's a consequence to these things. They actually love dad and they, they're actually sorrowful and they're, they're worried that something's going to happen to Benjamin. So this is where we pick up the story and read, read verse 45 or chapter 45, verse 1. It says, Now Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out of the room, he said. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I, I, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at, dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into, in, into, sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the, in the land for two years, and there's still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you, a remnant in the earth, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it is not you who sent me here, but God. And this is the part of the story that we understand and we've read many times before. And it's in verse 2 that the touching part here is that he, he weeps so loud that all of Egypt hears him. And at this moment, it's, it's what an emotional release that it is for Joseph. Again, taking, taking out the black and white of, of, the, of the story that we're reading in the Bible here, but the emotion comes out in this. And it's an emotion where Joseph just can't hold it out. Any, he has been waiting for 20 years to be able to cry like this. He's been waiting for 20 years. The Lord has done a work within his life, and he is just waiting to finally just release all of this inside of him. I think this is a culmination of all those 20 years of crying and all those years of things. And finally, he just breaks down and he is just, you've ever had that just uh cry before? Not just the, ooh, 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 cry. he is just he, convulsing to where he can't control himself. He's just allowing it out there. And all of Egypt hears it. I don't think typically all of Egypt heard it, of course, obviously, but, but at a point where anybody that was in the area heard it and they knew exactly what was happening. This is one of the things that I like about Joseph, Joseph is that, that he's a real person. Do you know Joseph's not a prophet? He's not a prophet. There's nothing that, that Joseph is prophetizing here as far as what's going on. Joseph's not performing miracles. Soon, you know, you turn a couple pages here and we're going to go into Exodus and, and Moses is going to perform miracles, right? We're going to see miracles that Moses is going to do. Joseph's just, just a man who's practicing, practicing his faith in God and believing in God to provide all his needs. Joseph's just, just a man like you and I. He's just, he's just humble. He sits down. He prays, he has a faith in God that he believes in, and now he's getting to see the fruits of God's faithfulness coming out in his life. As we read before with Manasseh, God has helped him to forget and to forgive and to heal his heart. And now, something that he could never have imagined. He didn't want to be number two in charge of Egypt. He didn't want all the, the luxury that he has. This is what he wants, and God is actually giving it back to him. Here comes his family through the door, and they're at a point where they're just like, This is it. This is, he's finally seeing this is the family that he's always wanted. These are the brothers that he's always wanted to be somebody that has been humble and, and to, to have contrite feelings and just to be able to be there and him to sit there and, and listen to them. This is what Joseph's prayed for for all of his life. And now he gets to see it. And he just can't control it anymore, and he just cries. His brothers are probably freaking out at this point because number two in charge of all of Egypt is, is weeping before them so they don't know if this is a good thing or it's a bad thing. You know, are we, are we going to lose our heads right now? Or does this normally happen in Egypt? You know, it doesn't happen in, in, you know, in the Hebrew section, but you know, whatever. And so he says, come, look, come, come, come closer. It's the first sign of forgiveness that we're going to see here. And I think this is one of the most humble moments in all of the Bible for me. One of the most humble moments in all of the Bible as Joseph has all the power that he needs at this moment. At this moment, Joseph can do anything that he wants to his brothers. Had we not heard about Manasseh and known that God had changed his heart, Joseph could at this moment do anything that he wants to his brothers. And Pharaoh wouldn't, even, Pharaoh wouldn't even know. Pharaoh wouldn't care. Oh, a bunch of Hebrews got killed today? Okay. It wouldn't matter to him. And the bigger part of this is that his brothers would know that they deserve it. It's one thing to have all the power to do it. It's the other side is to know that that person actually knows... That if I do follow through with this, I, I deserve it. I, I, if you want to kill me right now, Joseph, you can because you know what? I, w- I tried to kill you and, and here, here we are, you know, what, whatever that you want to do. And now this is the fruition of what we know that Joseph has, the work that actually has bad, God has done within his life. Have you guys ever met people in your life where they've allowed just that anger just to continue to fester within that side of them? And it just it just continues to grow and for years and this this anger just continues to consume them have you ever met you know I don't want to say it was that you this morning because I don't want to make it that personal for you and I don't want you to raise your hand but and maybe it's happened to us as well you know if we if we are allowed to just to be honest here you know it's just us here and and maybe we have allowed that to happen maybe somebody has wronged you right wrong or indifferent and, and it's hard to, to to forgive them and you're like well Kevin God I'm not my God. But, you know, Kevin, um, I don't think God, God can do that in my life. Because you don't understand what they did to me. Yeah, I don't have to. I know my God is faithful. I know my God is faithful that if you come before him and you ask him to help you in that area, God's going to be faithful to show up. Now, granted, it may not be that moment. It might take 22 years. It might take 15 years. There might be a point where there's a release within your life. And you'd say, you know what, Lord? Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the ability for me to be able to truly move on in my life. You know, the Matthew West song is that the forgiveness, really, it's you. It only helps you. You know, if I'm sitting there and I'm just angry, you know, Steve does something to me like he normally does, and and it just angers me, and I just carry that inside of me. Does that hurt Steve at all? It doesn't hurt Steve at all. He's going to go home, he's going to talk to his wife, and they're gonna go now and play with his grandkids and steve's having a good life but it's me that it's affecting i sit there and i just burn with anger and i can't move on and i can't move on and well steve did this and the reason i'm here is because of steve and and steve showed up to church today i can't believe steve showed up to church today how could he walk in the doors steve's praising the lord (laughs) it's too late now steve But I can't move on with my relationship with the Lord because there's this, this, this cloud and this, this curtain that has, has cut me off from God. And it's called anger and it's called rage and it's called the lack of being able to forgive it. You know, Matthew West, the forgiveness, it, it really helps you, right? It doesn't help that person there. I mean, it might help them, but, but, but for you to move on in your life, it's the forgiveness. Let me remind you again that Joseph had not seen his family for 22 years God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. God does this. He allows us time to be able to move on and then brings, us, brings back the opportunity to help us to finally deal with the root of what our hurt is inside of us. There's, there's always a root. You know, there's, there's, we did a Kyle Adaman book um, a while ago, and there's, he, the picture was that there was this, this, this nice little river area, and you show up, and you're, you're there one day, and it's nice, it's beautiful. And then you show back up the next week, and it's just, there's just pollution all over the place. You're like, what happened here? So you go, and you, you gather, get some bags, and you clean everything up, and you're like, oh, it looks nice again. And the next week you show up, and it's all polluted again. And the problem is you can, you can keep sitting there and, and cleaning up your life like that, right? You can keep cleaning up the garbage in your life. Or you can go upstream and find out. Well, what's what's causing? What's, who's throwing all the garbage in the water that it's ending up down here? And in our lives, it's like that. We've got to go back up here to find the root of the problem, and, and go solve that so that when we come back downstream, then then everything is fine. But until you're willing to get dirty and to get honest with the Lord and be able to come to Him and confess these things and say, Lord, man, I just I just need Your help. I need Your blessing to come upon me because I just want to be free of this. I'm tired. And to carry that weight on my shoulders of the, of the anger and the frustrations, I, I can't do anything. I can't move on with my life because I just I get exhausted to walk into the, to the car and I'm done for the day and show up to work and I'm grumpy already. Why? Because of that. The benefit that we have that Joseph didn't have is that we have the New Testament. In the New Testament, Colossians 3, 12-13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion... Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive us as the Lord forgave you. I mean, it's important for us to be able to sit there and go, man, I, I, I'm, I'm God's people. I'm chosen by God. And so therefore, I need to be holy and dearly and loved. That's, that's who He is. That's what God's done for me. And I'm clothed with compassion. And I need to be kindness and I need to have humility and gentleness and patience. And I can't have all those things if I'm just mad at people. Have you ever tried to be mad at somebody, but then just be compassionate and gentle and humble with them? I mean, it just kind of doesn't work, does it? You can't do that. I mean, if I really love somebody and it's hard to be angry at that person, isn't it? I mean, my wife gets frustrated with me and she probably deserves to get frustrated with me. But for me on my side, I look at Christine and there's so it's just hard to get angry with Christine. Why? Because I just love her. I know that she meant her best, and so, okay, well, what did I do to mess that up then? I just want things to be right and to be able to move on, and let's talk about it and get going, because I don't, I don't want this frustration to be there. Right after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says in Matthew six fourteen and 15, it says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Now, that's not a point where he's saying, look, you're not going to be saved. It's not that. You're saved. Okay? If you're in here, you're a Christian, you're a believer of Jesus Christ, will you die on the cross for you, you're going to heaven. You prayed that prayer. But it's hard for him then to have that relationship with you to move on when I can't forgive you those things. There's something in the way here, buddy. I can't move on in our relationship. I can't give you you direction. I can't because you need to go back and take care of business. You need to go back there to that person, handle your business, come back to me, and let's go. Let's go for a walk. You know, one of my favorite people in the Bible, and there's like a couple of verses of him, is Enoch. He just walked with God. I mean, how beautiful a relationship to sit there and go, What is your testimony? I walked with God, you know, and God just loved me so much after that that he was like, Dude, why don't you just come up to heaven, man? I'm just, I love talking to you and hanging with you. I mean, that's a testimony, isn't it? That he just, what do you do every day? I just walk with God. Okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? Walk with God. I'm not going to allow all this other stuff to get in the way. I'm just going to have a beautiful relationship one-on-one with God and just talk to him all day long. That should be the goal. And not to allow these transgressions and these frustrations to get in the way that we can't move on with our relationship with the Lord. Mark 11:25 says, "And then you stand praying, if you <clears throat> I'm sorry. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins." Again, it's hard to come before God, uh, a pure and holy God, and there's just just, just the black cloud within you. Man, how can I ask God to forgive me of things much worse that I've done to God than whatever that person did to me? You know, so I get to play God in that person's life, but then I'm going to come to God and ask him to forgive me. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? If God has been so gracious that he's willing to look at me and go, Kevin, man, I've forgotten everything. You've got a clean slate with me. All that desire, all that pride, all that uh, everything. You just, you just give it to me. Let me take it upon. And I'll take it off you. But then I look at that person and go, I can't forgive that person. You hypocrite. You need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness and let it to wipe clean so that you can then move forward with God. And just have the relationship that you want to have with him. See, Joseph does it. Joseph got it. Joseph understood what had to happen. And again, like I said before, I don't think any of us have had that family history as what Joseph had. Joseph looks at them and tells them that God brought me here to save you guys. The whole purpose of everything that got here was so that God could save you guys. Okay, so it's not what you did to me. It's what God allowed to happen within my life. So he looks at him and says, hey, go, go get dad. Go get the family. Bring everybody up here. Bring them. Go get, they'll go get everything. Bring the, every servant, your, all your family, bring all your, your, your cattle, everything. Bring them up here. Uh, when you do bring them up here, I've got a certain spot that I want you guys to go to, and, and Pharaoh is excited. He's, he's just I, your, your, your dad's alive, and, and Pharaoh's behind him. Go, bring them up here, man. I, I, they've got the best of the best. Why? Because Joseph has made Pharaoh richer than any other Pharaoh at that moment. He's got everybody's money. He's got everybody's land. Pharaoh owns everything at this moment. He's made him a very wealthy man. So he's like, yeah, bring your family up. I, I love you and I love them and hopefully they're as smart and as wonderful as you are because then I can really be rich, you know? I can't believe this. Bring them on up here. Move on to chapter 50. You guys know the story of how we get here. All the family moves up here. <laughs> Jacob, knowing that his time is coming up soon and um, what was culture at that time is that he would then go and bless his sons and he has a blessing over them. And if you want to, you can go back and read that. It's most of chapter 49 and um, he blesses each of his sons. And, um, and now we're at a point where where Jacob passes, you know, he's gone and Jacob goes home to be with the Lord or in Abraham's bosom and... Um, so what do you think is going on in the brothers' minds right now? You know, it, it's it's they're they're looking at this and going, man, I, I think dad was the wild card here. I think dad was the one that was kind of keeping us alive, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, Joseph doesn't have dad around anymore to kind of make sure everything is good. And, and what's going to happen? So we pick it up in verse 15. It says, uh, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and, and pays us back in full and... For all the wrong which we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died saying, uh, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg, the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, and for they did wrong to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers came, also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid for I am in God's place. As as for you, you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about the present result, to preserve many people to preserve many people alive. So therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And I'm not so sure if the, if the story here is true, is that's really what Jacob said to them, knowing that the family that they're coming from, you know, they, they tended to make up things here and there and to whatever to do to make sure. But but an amazing thing again here, Joseph was the one who was transgressed against. He's the one who, who was sold into slavery, almost killed and sent down to Egypt. He was the one that was transgressed against. But because of his relationship with God, he has been able to move on. It, it's his brothers that have not been able to do this. You know, in, in life, again, that, that's, I think that's the thing for us as Christians, is that when these things happen to us in our life, that's, that's the difference that it is to be a Christian as, a, as to be a non-Christian. You'll hear the world say a lot of times, well, you just believe in a God because you just can't handle the truth. You just can't handle the real world problems. I can't handle the real world problems, and that's why I need God to be able to, to fill me in with his spirit and to be able to help me with these things. It's not because I don't see that there are real problems and I don't see that there are problems in the world. It's because I know that there's a, a God who's going to be able to help me to get through those problems. As you look at this story here, again, it's amazing to me is that because of the relationship with God, God is the one that has gone inside of Joseph and molded and, and healed him. And it's his brothers who have not been able to move on. Why? Because they haven't had their relationship with God. Christians, there should be a difference with you as opposed to the world or your family or whoever that you're struggling with because... You as a Christian, as I've read all those verses before, understand that one, the importance of it is that I'm not going to have a relationship with the Lord that is as fruitful as it could possibly be, but then also I'm not going to have a relationship with anybody around me if I'm not allowed the Lord to be able to come inside me. And then what a witness it is at that moment. What a witness it is for people to look and go, I can't believe that guy talks to that guy after what he did to him. I can't believe that. What is different with that guy and that guy? Uh, that guy goes to church, man, and I see him reading his Bible, and you know he talks about God all the time, just like, just like Joseph. Brings up God in every conversation. Maybe there's something to that. And I know that sounds hokey, and it's a made-up story as far as that, but, but what in your life will draw people to God? Is it always just the Scripture? Or is it the fact that somebody wants to see somebody actually walk the walk? I, I want to see somebody do it. You know, what, just the thing, I, I hear a lot of people talking about things. A lot of people talk about the good thing and, oh, the Lord's going to do this. And you hear a lot of talking, you know, you see that in salespeople too. A lot of times they'll sit there, they'll study all the things, they'll take all the classes and they'll, they, you know, they haven't sold anything yet, but man, they'll tell you how to sell something, okay? They'll sit there and they'll they'll do all this and that, and whatever, man, I'm all, I got I every question down now. Oh, I don't know that question. Let me go back and study that. Dude, some point you got to get out there and sell something. Some point you got to actually do it. Okay, and when you're a salesperson, there's people who talk about it, and there's people who do it. And this person who does it may not know everything. And your Christian walk, you, you, may, not know, you may not have known this story. You're like, I never heard of Joseph before. But guess what? You can still walk the walk. You can still, you can still proclaim Jesus. You can still live a life that is godly, that brings people more than somebody who can recite the entire Bible. Because it's still, it's, it's not that it's, it's the Lord living inside of you that that shine comes out. And that's what the attraction is. And in this dark world, people are just looking for something that is good. They just want to see somebody who's actually doing what they say they're going to do. We can't get it in politics. We can't get it in our movie stars. We can't get it in our sport. I just want somebody, Is there somebody out there who can actually live this thing and do what they say they're going to do. Is there a neighbor who actually cares if my my yard is overgrown and that I just can't get outside to to fix it? Is there somebody who notices that my car hasn't moved in two months because I just need something to be done to it? Is there a Christian out there somewhere who will help these people? And that's us. Well, I don't like that neighbor. That neighbor looked at me the wrong way one day. But Jesus loves them. Jesus wants them to have a relationship with him. And are you willing to to humble yourselves and to, to lower yourself to come before them and say, you know what, I don't care. Look at me any way you want. There's people in my neighborhood. I've been there for 15 years. I wave to them all the time. They just look the other way. like, what? Did you just just give me a wave? My goodness, you know? We were there for 10 years. This couple came down walking their dog, and they're like, oh, did you guys just move here? It's the dude that doesn't wave to me, but I'm like, no, I'm the guy that's waved for you the last 10 years. I didn't say that to him, but. Now, you know I wanted to, okay, but I didn't say it, all right? The Lord is good. He's still working in me, but he worked. I didn't say it. so. But it just—that's that point, it's just like, but does it matter? Again, if you look at things that a good friend of mine one time said, in the grand scheme of eternity, grand scheme of eternity, does that transgression matter at all? Oh, but they took some money from me. Okay. You're going to be in heaven one day. You're going to have a need for money. They took that house from me. Okay, you're going to have a heavenly house. You know? They took an arm from me. Okay, you're going to have a heavenly body one day. You see the perspective there? I mean, in the grand scheme of eternity, does it really matter all these things that we petty and we fight about down here? In the grand scheme of eternity, it doesn't. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John eight thirty six says so if the Son sets you free you will be free indeed so if you have confessed your sins and he's faithful to to listen to that and do that well then at the same point if he sets you free then Christian be free I can't be a Christian if I go to the cross and I lay down and I lay all my petitions there and then when I go back to leave I, I go pick back all my stuff back up put it on my shoulders again and I walk away well what's the point of the cross The point of the cross is that i can lay those down jesus takes them jesus took the stripes so that i can then walk away free and then i can then go live my life for christ that's the point of the cross is that i can confess these things lay them down and then i can go and walk i can be a better christian i can be a better man i can be a a better business owner a better dad a better husband a better friend why? Because I'm not carrying the stuff of the world that's weighing me down that then I come into church like this and I'm like, oh, guys, you got to help me in the door. I can't get in. Dude, you, you need to go see Jesus, man. You need to let that stuff go. Allow it to get out of there. Live free. These brothers here are still bound to the sin that they've been carrying around for the past 22 years. For 22 years. Can you imagine that? Now, again, now they should have. Okay, you, you sold your brother into slavery... I have no problem with them walking around with a bunch of guilt, okay? That's just wrong. And then to have lied about it, thought that you had covered it up, and then God whoosh, slaps it right back in their face. Oh yeah, watch this. Bing! You know, plot twist. That would have been next week's you know episode on the TV show. Man, my mind drafts back so many times of the things that I've done in the past. So many times. And it's me that has a hard time forgiving myself. The Lord has forgiven me. Ken, what? What do you bring this back up again? But God, well, do you, do you realize what I did? Yeah, I, I know what you did. And we, and I, it's gone. Can we? Can we move forward? Man, I got something better for you tomorrow. Yeah, but God, He has set you free. You're be free. Verse twenty and twenty one says, and I'll read it again. Says. As for you, you meant evil against me, Joseph telling his brothers. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people. So what you meant for bad against me is actually good. You guys, brothers, do you get that? God allowed it to happen. See, I, I've, I've kind of dealt with this with the Lord, and He's been a, he's able then to turn around, and he's able to, to, to pour into them and let them know what happened. Do you guys even know what happened to me? man let me tell you i i got sold down here you know um and, and i had to get here before the drought happened though okay and then i really wasn't prepared to you know be in second in charge of all of egypt and stuff like that and i think you know probably a little pride there you know second in charge of egypt and everything but you know so god had to take me through some stuff and take me to school and so then i mean i was i was headed potiphar's house and potiphar you know the guy that's you know he's pretty big within pharaoh's uh, his secret service and all yeah i was in charge of his house and then I was in jail for a couple of years. I know a good guy like me that shouldn't have been there, but um, I was in jail for a couple of years. And then this cup, this cup holder, man, the guy, bear, he, he forgot all about me. But you know what, guys? When I, when I think about it, the reason the cup Bear forgot about me is because, honestly, if, he, if he'd have let me go, man, that was two years before this drought thing was going to happen. I'd have gone right back up to you guys. And then we all would have died. See, it was God's providence and God's plan, even though, even though Joseph had to go through the storm and go through everything, God knew, look, look, I can't let the cub bear, he can't go up there and tell Pharaoh, oh dude, this is this guy that, that interpreted my dream, he's awesome, you should let him go. Because if Joseph was let go at that moment, he's going right back to his family. It's two years before Pharaoh's dream. So, Christian, again, as you go through something in life, and I was talking to Nancy about before, is that you know sometimes we've got a plan, and then just God just frustrates things and stops it. You know, Christy and I were trying to to refinance our home a couple of years ago or a year ago, whatever it was at this point, and, and just, man, the Lord was just, I'm praying, oh, Lord, whatever you want to do, man, just let's do it. You know, if you make it happen, it'd be great. And I was just frustrated, frustrated to the point where I'm just, I'm about to just go to Wells Fargo and beat somebody up. You know, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Just asking questions and questioning this and you didn't do this and nobody giving you a call back. I'm like, yeah, I pay my bills. You know, hello, you've got the rest of it. Can we just move forward and just, you know, so you're just like, whatever. So then it's like, you know what? God doesn't want us to do this. We open up going a different route. But sometimes you have to go through this frustrations because God's got ultimately a plan for you. And so many times we just want to bowl right through it and go for it. And God's like, hey, hey, we're, we're going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to bring your family back to you. Don't worry. But I'm going to keep you here a little bit longer because ultimately it's not about God has got a perfect plan for we all like to do. God's got a great plan. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. But ultimately, remember, it's still God's plan. So here, I'm not here to glory Kevin. I'm here to glory God. If there's the best for me, then maybe I should be on, you know, living on the water somewhere and have a couple boats out there. I mean, that, that, that'd be the best, I would think, for Kevin. But, but no, I'm here to glorify God. So God will, will has a plan for me, and he'll bless me, and he'll take care of me. But what is ultimately that I'm here for? I'm here to glorify God. So Joseph, if he has to go through these struggles in life, if he has to persevere through these things, then guess what? Ultimately, he's to bring glory to God. It's not to bring glory to Joseph all these extra effects as far as him being second in charge and all that kind of stuff, that's wonderful. But ultimately, the only reason Joseph was in that position and lived in the lap of luxury and had all the things that Joseph had was only to to make sure Israel survived. It was only to make sure the the nation of, of Israel lived through the drought. That's why Joseph had to go through it. It had nothing to do with Joseph getting rewards for being in jail for 13 years and all. It was only so that he could do what God had called him to do. Think of Joseph, I think of Proverbs thirteen, fifteen thirty three, sorry, fifteen thirty three. It says the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. One of the other things that has happened in me in my life, as I get older, I realize I was telling somebody one of my customers the other day, as I get older I realize I'm just stupid on certain things. You know, and you just admit it to yourself that I just you know, so many times as a man, you just want to be prideful. Go, oh, yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah, go ahead. Keep on going. You know, you have no clue what the guy's even talking about, but you're just too prideful to admit it. And you're like, yeah, I know how to do that. What's the next thing that I need to do? And you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing, you know, to start off with. But as I've gotten older, I've realized there's just certain things I don't know how to do. So I'll just ask people questions, you know, of whatever the trait they are. And I'm like, hey, how do you do that? Why? Because I just admit that I'm finally to a point where I'm, I am realize that I, I need wisdom, I just, I'm not a smart person in certain things, okay? Comes to football, I, I pick good football teams, okay? That's all I know. On that side, I'm, I have a lot of wisdom, but, but in other areas of my life, I'm just, I'm just not, you know? And so as, as you go through life, it's, it's through being, having a fear of the Lord, okay, a healthy fear of the Lord, not a, the fear that the Lord's just going to whack me in the back of the head, but a fear of knowing that I need to be humble and I need to understand that God is God. And that God has spoken and created everything. So I need to have an understanding that he is God and I am not. I need to be humble before the Lord. I need to have a fear there because humility comes before the honor. I need to just bow my head before him. God, just give me the wisdom. Give me the understanding. Joseph lived his life in that way. Lord, I will be humble and I will do what you call me to do. Wherever that you place me, I'm going to do it. And so that's Joseph. Joseph quickly. By the way, there's so much more that you could talk about Joseph in his life. There's many different, but I only have three weeks, so there's many different things that we could talk about Joseph. Guys, it's Thanksgiving week that's coming up, and I just want you guys to think of the opportunity to to play out some of the things that that we've learned from Joseph this time, this these last three weeks. One is one the first week that we talked about was Joseph's legacy, and and I know that some of you guys think well. I can't change my legacy. It's, it's never too late to change your legacy. To change your legacy is—it's it, ongoing too. You know, my sister's in town, and you know the the old legacy that we used to do for Thanksgiving is we would all drive up to Lake City where my grandmother lived, and we'd all get up there and we would have big dinner and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was for that time. But but things change, you know, over the years. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them worse. It just makes it different. But there's a new opportunity. In your life, it's the same thing. The, the legacy that you're living right now, you're like, man, there's some things that I need to change in my life because I don't I don't want that to be who I'm known for. Then, then change it. I told you to change it two weeks ago. If you haven't changed it, change it today. Okay, it's two weeks later now. I think it was in, in William Hendricks' book last week. It was talking about it. If there's something that you know that you want to do, that you look back in 20 years and say, hey, I did that, then go do it. You know, so Today, if there's something in your life, that your legacy that you want to change... If you didn't change it two weeks ago, I'm telling you today, change that. Make that change. Do Michael Jackson. Make that change. Okay? I'm going old school today. But make the change in your life that you're... I don't want to have that to be my legacy. Then make it something different. Seek the Lord. Get on your face. Be humble before the Lord. And and do that within your life. The second thing is persevere. Are you in the midst of a trial and the holidays are hard for you and, and... um, and all those things, well can you lean on the lord i 'm sure if you 're trying to persevere through things then don 't just feel like you have to do it on your own one there 's the fellowship of the of the of the church here. you need to lean on each other, and we need to be able to pray for each other. We need to be able to lift each other up. I think this church does a great job in that. If I'm wrong, tell me after church. Kevin, you're wrong. Church does a terrible job in that. But I think that we do a good job. I think we do lift each other up. I think that we we try to keep in contact with each other. I think we've had different things that have happened that we're able to, to do that for. But ultimately, again, I can't look at the church as the one that's going to meet the needs that I have personally. It's not fair to the church. It's not fair for me to look at my wife and go, she's supposed to provide all my needs. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that God will provide all my needs. And so many times we try to persevere and, man, I am just tired and I'm just in my flesh and I can't do it exactly. That's when you have to call out to the Lord. And again, as we looked at Joseph so many times of just of sitting there, either in jail or at the Potiphar's house as a slave, just crying out to the Lord, Lord, just help me tomorrow. Help me tomorrow. Help me right now. God, I need your help right now. Christian, cry out to the Lord. He is faithful to answer you. He is faithful to listen to your prayers. You know, your prayers are like incense in heaven to him. I don't know how that is possible. I don't know why that is. I don't know why God wants to listen to me whine and, and come to him and all. But God wants that. I think that the reason is it's it's because the same thing with my kids. When my kids come and sit down, and they want to talk to me. Oh man, it just it just blesses me. I'm just like, man, I get to talk to my kids today. Why? Because I know, you know, oldest is sixteen and I know a couple of years, that relationship greatly changes quickly. It makes you sad, you know? And you're just like oh, Goodness, you know, I, I I don't want that. And so it makes it even more special that you're able to have that. And that's why I think the Lord looks at us as his kids and says, I just want you to talk to me. Please, just just give me that. Give me that time. I just want to love on you and I wanted to return it back to you. The third thing that we learned today is forgiveness. Sometimes, I don't know, when families get around each other, things have, kind of come up, you know, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that before. Families, you know, i just being honest here as a family. Okay, Sometimes when you get together as families, things get a little heated. Things get a little excitable. You know? It is hard to truly be thankful if you're unable to forgive. As you get to sit down in front of a big turkey bird or... I used to know people used to eat shrimp at Thanksgiving. It's like, I mean, I think that's really what they did at the beginning, but that's just wrong now. But um, Don't allow the sins of the past to cause you not to enjoy the Lord. Don't allow those sins from the past to cause you not to be able to enjoy and be thankful for the, the things the Lord has done. To be thankful for the family that you have. To be thankful for the provisions that He's given you. To be thankful for, and you guys fill in the blank. It's a time for Thanksgiving and be able to get together with your family and to be able to enjoy it or to get together with friends. Maybe you don't have family here. Maybe you don't have family anymore at all. It doesn't make it bad. Again, it doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different this time. The point is, is that I'm going to be thankful for the Lord for what he has done for me. And I'm going to be thankful for whatever God's given me today. And that's the beautiful thing about having a relationship with your God. He's not Buddha where he's buried somewhere. He's not some made-up God as far as Scientology and things like that. There's a God who really walked the face of the earth, who struggled just like you and I, who then took the stripes, took the bruises, shed his blood. Why? Because he loved you. And then in that turn, we turn around and say, God, I'm so thankful for Jesus and what he did for me. Amen. Father God, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the compassion in this church and the love that this church has and just uh, the wonderful people in this church that I get to call family now. And Many times as I pray and many times we've talked, I've just always said the only reason that these people in this church probably even know each other, probably even hang out with each other is just because of you. It's because of Christ and what he did for us and that we are now believers and that we are now family. Let well, us pray that you would just continue to work in each of our hearts this week. and um, We don't hold Joseph up as a God or as a, but we do look at him as an inspiration to us, Lord. The life that he lived, that you were so, so important to you as well that you put so many, you have so much time to him in the Bible. I think more than what you gave Abraham. God, allow us to be able to write our own stories, Lord, for you. God, allow other people to look upon us and say, that legacy or that that faithfulness that that person showed is just a testimony of God. Lord, that's our desire. Lord, this week, if we're traveling, I pray for those that are leaving town, that are heading out, God, that you would just watch over them, give them safe travels, Lord, whether it be to Tampa or to out-of-state or wherever that they're going, Lord. Lord, as we get together around a feast, Lord, that, that again, that we would be thankful to you and just reminded of the things that you have done for us, Lord. And God, we just thank you for you, Lord. Thank you for this day that you have given us to live for you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.